If we've not had the chance to meet, my name is Kurt. I love hanging out at the vineyard. It's a good spot for me and my family, and I'm glad you're here too. You make it better. And just as Alan was saying, what we're realizing is that you have people in your life that God loves. Spoiler alert, God loves you and God loves people in your life, and we want you to be praying and asking for God's heart for the people around you. And we're going to be continuing this journey. This whole idea of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit's empowering us as a local church. And here in a couple weeks, we're going to be throwing a big party on July 4th. We're just going to skip out on this, and we're going to express our worship and our community out on the property, weather permitting, and we're going to have food. It's a great way to invite people who might be exploring faith, considering church, coming out of a pandemic. So be thinking about who you might bring with you to July 4th if you're in town, if you're not on vacation. If you are on vacation, enjoy God's presence on vacation, okay? That's a good spiritual practice. And then we are going to launch a series of conversations to wrap up our summer called I'm not fine. Anybody ever said, I'm fine, and you were not telling the truth? Yeah, like we just went through 15, 16 months of a pandemic, so there's probably things in our life where we can't honestly say, I'm fine. It's probably, I'm not fine. And you probably know people in your life who are maybe not doing as well as they might let on. And so we want you to be praying and think about who you might invite to that series. We're going to have a series of conversations around what it looks like to be making sense of these days and these times and the invitation of God. But before we get to that series, we're going to continue in the book of Acts. And I'm going to give us a recap of where we've been in our series, Exponential. We've been looking at the launch of the church following Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. We've been looking at what Jesus spoke over the church in those days that we believe God is still speaking to us his followers, and we're going to look at what God was speaking over the community in that day and time that we believe he is still speaking to the community in this day and time. And what we see is the exponential move of God is when we begin to realize that our story and our walk with God is not intended to be kept for ourselves. Anybody ever have a, like, you have an awesome story in your life? Do you know how awesome that story is if you never tell it? It's awesome to you. Stories are better shared, and those amazing moments in our life, when we begin to share them with others, have a ripple effect, and they have this exponential impact. You know, like sometimes I'll tell stories about this person and the impact they had on me, or like my dad, or my brothers, or my family, or my friends, or, you know, this one time I had this experience with God. And when I share that story, it begins to have an exponential impact because it's no longer just my private story but it's a personal story that can impact the people around me. This is the story of God in the people of God. And we believe you have a story that God wants to use you. And so think about this for just a second. This is what we found out. What did Jesus say to his followers? This is a recap of Acts 1. You will be my witnesses. Anybody following Jesus has been called on the witness list, and God wants to empower you to be a witness to the glory of God. Can everybody say witnesses? Witnesses. This is what Jesus spoke over his church. He said, you will be my witnesses. Not maybe, not if you so choose. <laughs> you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, here's the follow-up question. What is the invitation to those around us? This is, this is essential. 
And right now I'm speaking to followers of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, we need to understand that the movement of God's kingdom is extending an invitation to those who have not yet said yes. And listen to this. This is what it is. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I crucified Jesus. My life, my actions, my behaviors crucified Jesus. I needed the invitation of what it's saying here. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? See, this is the reality of God's kingdom is it moves towards us and it elicits this, this kind of question of what shall we do? This is the invitation that is always at work in God's kingdom. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. What I want us to realize is that this invitation is anchoring us in some important truths that the early church shared. See, the unity of the church anchored itself in a couple key realities. And this is the first one. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. Lord and Messiah. The early church recognized Jesus as Lord. You're the boss. I'm not. All of me comes under the lordship of Jesus. That means Jesus has authority in every part of my life to call the shot, to lead me and guide me in the way of life. Jesus is Lord. I am not and Messiah. No matter what you think that separates you, no matter what you think that is death and destruction in your life, Jesus is the saving one. This is good news. This is the hope of the world that Jesus is Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords. There is nobody higher. There is no name that is greater. It is being invited into the story of creation from beginning all the way to new creation, new heaven, new earth. All of scripture is summed up in Jesus is Lord, and Messiah. Woo! Come on. Now I'm ready to go, okay? This is going to be good. Now here's the thing. You're invited, and they invited the people then. What shall we do? Repent and receive. Man, anywhere you know you've denied Jesus, anywhere you know that you've lived outside of God's best, anywhere you know you were calling the shots, and now you realize, God, I want you to call the shots in my life. I, re I repent of my own selfishness. I repent of my destruction. I repent of all the idols and ideologies that I've held on so tightly to that make me believe I am who I am. I turn from all of that to Jesus as Lord and Messiah, and there is forgiveness that quick. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. We repent and receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I love. This is, this is like, this is so God for you. The Holy Spirit is for all whom the Lord God will call. For all. In this whole series, for me personally, that text has been the verse that I have been so grateful for the Holy Spirit illuminating the word of God for me again, bringing it to life, giving me an anchor. The promise is for you, for your children, 
for all who are far off. So right now, imagine the person that's the furthest person in your mind from God. Immediately, you're relating to that person out of their behavior, probably, their identity. And Jesus is turning and saying, relate to them out of me and my behavior and my identity and my promise because the Holy Spirit's for them and the Holy Spirit's for everyone who I will call. And we get to choose. What shall we do? What shall we do? Repent and receive. What I love about the church and what we're seeing, and this is where we're going to be hanging out today, that the unity of the church, what unified the church in that time? What's the message being proclaimed in Acts over and over and over again? It's Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. That was their unity. The unity of the church was Jesus. There were so many things going on in that day and time. And I'll just tell you, if you think it's like different now, it's not. There was a very big political structure in place. There were powers. There were arguments. There were disagreements about who was in and who was out. There were diverse culture groups living in the same cities. It was messy. I mean, they just didn't have the internet. So I guess that made it a little bit easier on them. The church had unity in Jesus. They were living with a grace for those beyond. You will be my witnesses, which means there are people who need to hear about me that have not heard about me yet. Tell your story with grace about Jesus, the resurrected one. Jesus, the resurrected one, is the unity of the church. And the promise of the Holy Spirit draws us into relationships. So when I see somebody and I go, man, the promise of my life is the same for you. I can be united in who God is and the way God works and the power and presence of God coming and filling you and his promises for now. We can be united in the forgiveness of sins that is found in Jesus. That's a great story to tell. That's really good for somebody who crucified Jesus. That there's forgiveness and there's unity found in Jesus being Lord and Jesus being Messiah because then we're invited to know the one who created and the one who holds it together and the one who came and dwelt among us and then gave us the Holy Spirit so we would go dwell among the people and we would be witnesses so that we would look with hope to the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth because God is in the business of making all things new, life over death. I told you I was ready. I told you I was ready to go today. I don't know what it is. Here's the thing. I'm going to set us up for where we're going to go today. I think we all long to live a life empowered by the reality and presence of God. How do I know that? Well, it's what I want. It's the thing that I want. If God is who God says he is and if in God, God's word, he speaks And like stars, boom. And when he speaks, he says, rise, get up. And when he speaks, he says, be healed. And when he speaks, he says, I love you. This is the longing of the human reality. I was reflecting on my time as a marriage and family therapist, and I spent about a decade of my life being trained and getting a graduate degree and then sitting with people thousands of hours, hearing stories. It's amazing what people will tell you when they're paying you. 
to listen. It's amazing what is real for people when they don't feel like they have to hide. What happened for me in that journey was I realized what was actually normal for the normal people of our city. What was normal was the amount of hidden hurt. What was normal was hidden hopelessness. That what everybody sees of somebody holding it together is a front to what is actually being realized in their life, trying to figure it out and spinning their wheels, looking for more. What happened for me in that journey was, one, my own idea of what was normal got shifted. And I realized why Jesus matters more than I ever realized. And I realized why the church matters today as much as it always had. Because people need to see that there is something possible other than the normal fruit of culture lived by my own strength and my own power. There is a sharing that needs to happen because in the kingdom of God, the invitation in God's kingdom is bigger than our own individual story because we are invited to share life with others. We're invited to share life with others, and this is what the early church did so well. They were marked as a people that stood out in their day and time because their lives shared looked different. It wasn't this kind of effort to try to kind of replicate culture, but just like in a slightly better way. It was radically different in their day and time, the early followers of Jesus. It should be today as well. If we are finding life in the giver of life, the invitation is not for you to find a vibrant faith in Jesus and keep it to yourself. That would be an utter waste. I mean, good for you. <laughs> it is so much better to share it. And this is what the early church did. And you don't have to take my word for it, because I'm going to read to you out of Acts 4. And we're going to see that that's what they said of themselves. Luke, who authored this book, shares this. And I'm going to start in Acts 4, kind of towards the end. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Put it at the apostles' feet. Months ago, we were planning this series of conversations. We knew we were going to study the book of Acts coming out of Easter. 
we began to look at the text and just go, God, what are you saying in, in this portion, in this portion, in this portion? And just to encourage you, this encourages me. I'm going to open up the YouVersion Bible app. I highly recommend it. It's free. You can interact with Scripture every day. This is the Scripture of the day. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The early church was one in heart and mind. They were one. Is that how we describe things today? Is that how you see, if you just look out the world and you think about the church? All the believers were one in heart and mind. Now this is significant, and I want us to not forget what happened a couple chapters ago. When the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost in Acts 2, it says that there were people from all these different diverse expressions of ethnicity who began to hear the glory of God articulated in their own native tongue. The early church was not a people of the exact same ethnicity or belief or this. They were from a wide stretch of people who began to hear the glory of God and respond to the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. They were one in heart and mind. The work of the Holy Spirit entered into what was chaos and confusion and called them into community and calling so that they could be one under the lordship of Jesus. What made them one? Did they all of a sudden all agree about everything about life? No. What got really clear to the early church is that this idea, the resurrection of Jesus being Lord and Messiah, trumps all other things. And they looked to Jesus for their oneness. And they didn't let lesser things or minor things get in the way of the one thing, Jesus. And then they began to realize that their private life and their personal stuff was not individually oriented, it was for the community. And they begin to have not just an idea of like how my life can be set, but I was one of heart and mind with everyone. Doesn't this sound nice? I mean, right now, I mean, just to be honest, pay attention to what you're thinking and feeling in this moment. Pay attention, like engage the text. You're going, yeah, that's just not happening today, Kurt. <laughs> like, I do not see a way where the divisions of our day do not kind of bow to the lordship of Jesus. Maybe they should. Maybe the early church knew something, that the power of the resurrection was more powerful than any other idea. See, the church is united in Jesus. It's Jesus. It is the answer. It is the identity. It is the reality. It is the one who has resurrection power who calls us into an experience of shared life and shared community, which means 
here, here, this is going to be an uncomfortable word for all of us. The individualistic culture that we have been raised in has to bow to Jesus. It does. Like, we have been raised in an environment that is highly individualized. And that will be a barrier to us if we do not realize that Jesus is serious when he calls us into a community where he is Lord and Messiah and that it does actually say they shared everything they had. They shared everything that they had. And this is how it happens. We are one not because we're the same. Like just look around. If you're here, look around the room. If you're there, look at me. I'm not the same as you. Okay? It is not about sameness. It is about same surrender. Let that sink in for a second. The unity of the church, we're finding shared surrender. They were laying their lives down and their stuff down at the feet of their community saying, I'm in with you. It's us. And you want to come too? Come on. We have room at the table. What shall we do? Repent and believe. Get in on this. This is going to be good for us because the culture is pushing this thing and it's destroying people, but the church is speaking life and hope and forgiveness. Come get in with Jesus. And good news, right off the bat, I got a promise for you, you get the Holy Spirit. Okay? See, it's sweet. One person laughed. It, I mean, it's actually true, so I guess it wasn't like a, I don't know. It's okay, guys. It's all good. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. He died for all on the cross. That's not even in my notes. But you don't know because you don't have them. It's the same surrender. It's the same surrender. If you want in, you're in. If you want in, you're in. Unity is about surrendering to Jesus. And no matter what we see in each other, we see Jesus. No matter what we find to disagree on, we say, Holy Spirit, keep us united. Let me turn my ideas and my individualistic approach to you and learn how to give Jesus authority in all things. And then it says they shared everything. Does that mean they shared some things? So I parent, I've got young kids. I love this. Sharing is caring. It's particularly nice when they have food you want to eat. Or they ordered soda at dinner and you're like, ooh, I'd love to try some root beer. Sharing is caring, you know. Sharing is caring. When you begin to make room in your life for somebody else, you show value to them, you show honor. When we begin to realize, God, you have, you have given me things. I want to give back. I want to meet needs. I want to participate in the community. They shared everything that they had. Generosity, hospitality, and selfless sacrifice are the way of Jesus. It is the way of Jesus. And as image bearers, you might be showing some of that. You might know people in your life who are not following Jesus, but there's this generosity inside of them. There's this wonderful hospitality where they just know how to host you and they make you feel all comfortable when you go to their home. Bless the reality of God being revealed in them. And selfless sacrifice. 
This was the way of the church because it's the way of Jesus. It says Jesus came and he shared his life and he shared in death and he shares his resurrection. God made his dwelling among us. Church, our identity is that there is a generous God who shares all of himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with us, and we get to do the exact same. This is amazing. Like, this should send us with great purpose into our week. Like, right now as I'm preaching, I'm going, man, I need to, I need to remember this when I'm parenting my kids. Like, right now, that is how the Holy Spirit is convicting me in this moment. Be generous with your kids the way I'm generous with you, Kurt. Be generous with others the way I'm generous with you because it's a generous God who gives us an identity of generosity as a community. They shared everything. See, when we talk about giving financially here, we're not just trying to get into your pocketbook. I mean, sort of, we are. Um, I'm just calling it like it is. But this is about practicing community as a church that the only way we have financial resources is when this community selflessly sacrifices to meet needs. We help meet needs of foster and adoption uh, agency here in the city. We help meet needs of another church here in Houston. We meet needs when a church plant is meeting in our building. We meet needs with Young Life when they meet in this building. We, collectively as a community, are funding a facility that is being used for more than the Vineyard Church. So when we talk about giving as worship, we're not trying to like get some nice business model that's economic and it makes sense in a capitalistic society. We are looking at the model of Jesus in the church saying sacrificial living and generous living is part of the kingdom. And it is freedom. And so it's learning how to grow in our giving. And it's maybe giving a first time. And then maybe it's giving regularly. And then it's beginning to give proportionally. But it's all about living generously. So that we can express the reality of God and community here. So that when somebody needs groceries, we can say yes as a family and meet the needs of that family. When the school across the street gathers for staff meetings, we can be there saying, we bless you. Here's a snack after a long day of loving on kids. They shared everything that they had. And man, just if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week, Ken Hannon gave an awesome message about boldness. But it's in this text too, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. With great power and conviction, with boldness. Because again, the story that we are telling is Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross. He resurrected out of the tomb, which means there is resurrection hope for you. There is resurrection hope for everything in your life you think is dead. For dreams, for purposes, for relationships, for future. The resurrection life of Jesus is for you, and that was the testimony of the early church. what they told it's what they knew some incredible inventions over the last few years help us practice our witness and our what we testify about for those of you that are on social media I am as well so there's no shame in what I'm about to say but what does your social media feed say you testify about what is your testimony 
to the random recipient of the algorithm that somehow gets your stuff in front of them. For those of you who are not on social media, I bless you. You're good. What do you testify about when you text somebody, when you call somebody, when you sit across the table from somebody? What's the testimony of your life right now? That means what's the story? What is the primary thing you're telling yourself? With great power, the apostles testified to the resurrection. How central is that in your life? How central is that in my own life? They were anchored in Jesus. They were anchored in generosity. They had one heart and one mind. The affection of their life was moving to Jesus. And I just want to tell tell you, we share Jesus. We share Jesus. I mean, think about all the ages that have kind of come through history. Anybody, we're going to risk a little bit. Anybody concerned about things in the world right now? Show of hands, you can comment online. Okay, there's like three hands up. You know, we can, no, there's more than three hands up. <laughs> okay, I was watching, I was watching this pastor, uh, his name's Derwin Gray, he was giving this message and it was really good. And I love what he just, he just got to this point and he said, do we believe that our Jesus is so puny that he cannot handle the issues of our day? I'm like, Jesus raised from the dead. The story of Jesus is being proclaimed today in our city, in this church community. A story that was told long before any political system made its anchoring strength here on this soil in Pearland, Texas. Long before I was on the scene, Jesus has been at work and the story of God's kingdom from beginning through eternity Whatever thing you are concerned about, the kingdom of God wants to meet you in that place and say, hear a better story. Consider what the resurrected Christ has to say about what your fear is trying to tell you about. Consider what Jesus might say to you if he just could sit across the table from you and he's going to go, hey, guess what? It's going to be okay. And here's how I know. I was on a run this, this week and I was thinking about a primary preacher in Acts. His name's Peter. Peter seems to just step up on the scene, and he's got, like, good stuff to say. Peter would be, like, the most notable preacher of our day. Like, the Lord is using him, and he speaks, and it cuts to the heart. Just like we cannot forget that there was a diverse group of people being called into the kingdom who are one in Jesus, don't forget Peter. Don't forget that Peter is the one who denied Christ. Don't forget that he didn't just do it once, but he did it multiple times. And what I want to say to us today is the reason we share Jesus is Jesus covers the places we've denied the reality of God through our our thoughts, our choices, our behaviors, We do not have to live as the one who denied Jesus. We get to live as the one who is loved by God and encountering a better story. Peter did not live under the shame as the one who denied him. He stepped into the power of the resurrection and he testified about Jesus. And people came to know Jesus.
share Jesus. And when you share Jesus with that work and you're aware of it and you're proclaiming the kingdom in that moment. And God's grace is inspiring you to generosity and God's grace is giving you the capacity to listen to somebody you totally disagree with. And everything inside of you wants to scream, you're wrong! But you go, God's grace! <laughs> God's amazing grace. Because God's grace begins to capture our lives and it captures our mind and it captures our heart and we begin to see the world through God's grace. Jesus on a cross, an empty tomb, the generous outpouring of the Holy Spirit saying, the same way I dwelt among you, Jesus came and made his dwelling among us, his His passion for the church is we would make our dwelling among the people and it would be just like Jesus here today. We share Jesus but not out of our strength and not out of our agendas but we share God's grace. We share God's grace. God's grace is available to you today. God's grace is available for where it is you feel like you don't have enough. God's grace is available for you for that work situation you're facing. God's grace is available for the relational stuff you're facing. God's grace is available in every aspect of your life. God's grace and his mercy and his goodness chasing after us, chasing after you. And the good news is if you're here today exploring faith or you're watching online and you're considering faith, it is available to you at your request to say, God, this is what I long for. Help me. What shall we do? What is the response? In humility, we begin to receive God's grace to walk with us for every part of the journey. 
God's grace frees us from possessions being our purpose. God's grace frees us from the sin of selfishness and individualism. It is God's grace that puts us in a community. It's God's grace that allows us to love people different than us. It is God's grace shared among the people. And it's beautiful. It's how we actually look like Jesus. And we get to practice it right here. When you choose to reach out and make relational connection with somebody who's not you. God's grace. The early church knew oneness because they embraced a life of sharing everything they had with one another. This week, my family experienced that. I'm going to give you a practical tip of how to do this. And you're going to get a lot of chances this week to try it once. This week, we had a family pay for our dinner. Do you know how awesome that is? It is so neat when somebody treats you to a meal. When I was in high school, I had a friend who took me to dinner one, one time, more than once. But he took me to like a nice place. Think about the most expensive meal you've ever had. And think about somebody treating you to that meal. That's a picture of God's kingdom. That's sharing everything you have with somebody else. It's sharing a passion for good food. It's sharing relationship. It's sharing time. It's sharing presence. And then at the end of the day, you reach and you say, I got it. And you take care of the bill. And not to create some weird theology of transaction, but Jesus has taken care of the bill. The grace of God wants to take care of the bill. Whatever list you've come up with of things you're supposed to figure out so that you can be in relationship with God, Jesus has taken care of that. This week, treat somebody to a meal. Cook for them. Ask them to meet you for lunch at work, and then just pay for it. Just pay for it. It's how we begin to share. It's, it's how we begin to cultivate generosity. Meal time is a great time to practice this. Because ultimately, the early church was sharing everything that they had. And you know how we share everything that we have? We share all of who we are in relationship with other people. We give the time, we give attention. We give relationship, we give care, we give trust, we give stuff. We hear about needs and we ask the Lord, what part do I have to play in that? And it's not always financial. Sometimes it is. But it's letting go of the grip that our hand has on our stuff and our life and our right and our entitlement and we begin to open it up like they did at the feet of Jesus and say, it's yours. Tell me what to do. That I might share who I am in community. And that this community might share who we are with our city. So that our city knows who Jesus is. Let's stand together. I'm going to show you another way that you can share. 
To our audio video team, I want to say thank you for being ready to adjust on the fly. Because it was all green lights up here, and they handled it. We share when we say thank you. We share when we look people in the eye and we begin to help them see that God loves them and God knows them. We share the testimony of Jesus when we realize that God is Lord over all. He's got it. God has it. And when it's hard to believe and we let our story be known in community, the community will gather around us and say, we're with you. Hang in there. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. We start digging holes in roofs, which is a reference to a healing of Jesus where Jesus is teaching somewhere and it's crowded and the guys bring their friend and they knock on the door and they can't get in and they go, we're just going through the roof. Sometimes we got to stand with our friends and we got to go through the roof. We have to share time and attention and the hope of Jesus with one another. There's two things that I think we are are being invited to today. I'm going to pray for us. The first is this. I think there are some of us in the room who are having a hard time believing Jesus is Lord over all right now. Like you look and you go, no, no, he doesn't have that one. God does not have that circumstance. God is asleep and he is not paying attention to what's going on over here. And I am very concerned because this feels more powerful than the work of God. And I just think you need to be free. Like, I just think you need to be free to know that, that God and his kingdom is everlasting and the promise of scripture and what we see in Acts and what we see in this is for us today. It is for us today and it is found in community and it is found in sharing. And I'm going to just ask you to risk, when we close, if you are having a really hard time with fear and uncertainty about the future, I just want to invite you to come share that with somebody who can pray for you. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And here's the other one. It goes back to what I told you when I was running. I think that there are some of you here, and this might be for somebody that who today is a day to step into the community of Jesus followers, to move from denial to decision. If you look at your life, you see the places you've denied Jesus, you've denied God, you've done your own thing. You've run from faith, whatever it is. You are like Peter. You've denied that Jesus is Lord. You've denied with behavior, with actions, whatever it is. And I just want to tell you, today is a day that just like Peter, you can decide to surrender that denial to Jesus and realize he loves you and he cares about you. And you are not going to be marked with an identity of denial and denier and the denouncer that you maybe feel that's full of shame. It is a lie from the enemy. And you will know that you are loved by God because God has already decided. He loves you. He revealed it in Jesus. He reveals it in the Holy Spirit. It is the proclamation of the early church. So I'm going to pray over us as a community. And if there are things going on in your life that you need prayer for, I'm going to invite you to come. Share it with somebody and let them share the hope they have in Jesus with you back in return. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us today. That you are good. God, we thank you for what we see in Scripture and the community that you are forming, that you form things out of chaos and you call us into community. You call us to purpose. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and wherever there is fear and uncertainty and real life circumstances, I pray by your power you would speak to that. 
And you would anchor us in the reality that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. He has the capacity to save. He has the capacity to bring dead things to life. And so today, would you meet people and let them lay their fear at your feet and pick up faith. And I also pray for anybody who's been struggling with the way that maybe they've denied you. They denied you privately. They've denied you in hidden ways. They've denied you in public ways. I pray that we would see in Peter the reality that even in our denial, we can lay that at your feet and have the decision to receive who we are from you. And so I just pray for anybody who's exploring faith that they would hear the invitation of you to say, come home. Come home and find who you are in me, the God who loves you. And today I just bless this community to know that they are loved by God, revealed in Jesus, and we are called to be a part of your story, dwelling here among the people that we're around to be, people of hope who share Jesus and walk in the grace of God. So fill us with your grace. We pray this over this community in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.